0: Welcome to the Unstructured Podcast. In this episode, I talk with artist, musician, and creative producer, Stephanie Lamont, daughter of the longtime CEO of NAM, one of the largest and longest running music product trade shows in the world. Stephanie has grown up surrounded by creative business leaders and mentors. Initially focused on a career in film music composition, her education shifted to a degree in psychology and early childhood development, and then traveled to Galway, Ireland, to study music and culture and learn more about her family's Irish and Chinese roots. After more than a decade of learning the ropes in creative production and business in the music industry, including writing and recording her own songs under the name Lucky Le Monde, Stephanie now embarks on her next adventure, creating a new path, running a business of her own called Unpaved Path Studios. I'm Michelle Rose, and this is Unstructured. This episode was brought to you by Structure Society, the community for creators in art, design, and music. For almost a decade, Structure has brought together creatives from across the industrial, apparel, graphic, and sound design industries, building professional relationships, creating a platform for knowledge sharing, and raising the bar of product creation. From live events and workshops to publication and podcasting, Structure continues to evolve to build the strong creator community needed to craft our future. Find us at struktursociety.com and subscribe to our Substack at structuresociety.substack.com. So right now I'm really excited. I'm super excited to talk to you and get to know more
1: about you. Um, It's so weird. It's so wonderful. I I, I was thinking this whole time we're looking at, like, you're beautiful. I, I, we, you do an incredible job prepping your guests for this. And it was just such a trip to be like, this is my life. (laughs) It's wild to be thought or or to be asked these things that I'm usually asking. So I'm grateful. It's very, it's a good exercise to to be doing at this juncture too. (laughs) I I bet. I Mm -hmm. bet. You know, there's always
0: (laughs) these points in time when we're shifting what we're doing. And to reflect, like you said, that self-reflection, but also to be able to talk with someone about it. And because you're formulating it as you go, it's not like you have it all figured out and like, now I'm going. Yeah. You just do. And yeah. you figure it out as you go.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the fun <laughs> so. part. But yeah, but yeah. It's, it's better. It, that's why community and stuff like this is so important too, because if you're just spiraling in your own head, it's easy to never do the thing too yes. so yes yeah putting it out yeah. in the world with a safe place to bounce things off of is the biggest gift for for creative people I
0: think yeah and finding those safe places yeah you know yeah. finding them creating them um and protecting them and sharing yes. them all of yeah. those things so well I've been really excited to talk with you um you know we met probably what a year and a half ago a couple of years ago now two years
1: yeah ago. probably more actually yeah but- I think we met in person, at, was it only at Nam last year? It must have been, or I guess two yeah. years ago. But I think through Karen's um, group, what does she call them? The experiment Her group. Experiment, yeah. yeah. Weekly yeah. And, experiment. Yes. yes, so I think that's how we first met. But like little five minute right. increments on that, <laughs> so right?
0: right? And but. then I met you more when I brought Karen into the structure series. Yes, and you were helping her there.
1: Oh, that was and so lovely. And
0: that was so great to have you there and get the feedback and whatnot. It helped move things forward for me, mm-hmm. you know, because these were experiments of my own. And um, just to, you know, you were part of her experiment. You're a part of our experiment, my experiment, um, and you seem to do a lot of that yourself, too. Yeah. You know, trying things <laughs> and moving things, moving things into uh, into new projects. And so, the first thing I really wanted to dig into, though, is uh, storytelling, and because that's what we're all doing here. I mean, you're an artist, you're a musician. Ah, uh, your producer, uh, sound, uh, audio editor—all of these things are ways of you know telling a story and and, and creating an arc of an experience. And um, I wanted to ask you to start off, warm us up a little bit. What storytelling means to you, and how you utilize
1: it in your life? Oh yeah, it's it's I I think it to me it is just. It's, the, it's an incredibly deeply human thing. I think it is probably the most, in my opinion, the most human thing that we do, whether it's, and then I think it's art, but I think what we're doing through art is storytelling. It's trying to make sense of the world around us. And so I think it's just, I, I'm also a very introspective person and a very external processor. And so in trying to make sense of, I think it's, it's, I use it in my own life and trying to make sense of the world. And then in the ways to then put that out, it's just how I interact with the world. It's, it, that's how I feel about music too. It's just intrinsic to who I am. But I think the storytelling aspect and, and you look at culture and you look at how everything has evolved. I think storytelling is what keeps us all knit, keeps us keeps us together. And, and I think getting even deeper, I love it so much because in doing more research and other cultural things, right, as, as you figure out who you are in this creative world, there have always been people that are these storytellers within the society that that is, their, that is their whole mission and their whole whole place is to keep the stories, to tell them, to help everybody move along, help everybody find their own paths. And I've just... I, you know we're we're lucky to live at the time we do with all these things, but I just wish I could be this little wise woman in some you know Celtic <laughs> island somewhere back in the past, just because that I would have just shown as like the you know, the little medicine woman somewhere. and and if that had just been a path immediately. So it's, yeah, I love it. It's just intrinsic to everything. Um and it's part of everything. And but the, it's also my favorite part of everything. So when you talk about I'm doing all these other projects, the parts where I can craft a narrative and tell a story that feels really, satisfying, like this is the why of something are my favorite parts of that and how I try to pick projects and things um, and what I love about them. So, yeah. So story
0: has, story is meaning history. Yeah. Yeah. How do you use story in your life now then? Like, because, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it at that. How do you use storytelling in your life? Yeah. It's,
1: I I think uh, it is also something I think I'm really good at. So lately it's been, it's been fun to see how that manifests in projects. So, say I just started working with a, a client, um, and what I'm doing for this project it's it's a documentary. But um, because my my specialty is audio, I am taking all these clips and and helping him craft the narrative of it. Because I have a really good understanding and instinct for that story, and then he is really great at—I mean, he's great at story as well. But it's a story he's too close to. So, I, as a—you know—I'm able to come in and, and do that, um, and so that—that that has helped me kind of start working in in a film medium in that way. And it's—and then something as little as right as I as I do—it's not little, I suppose, uh, but. Crafting this brand, right, that I'm just launching, telling this, figuring out, telling the story of why I'm doing this and, and what the point is, right, of the brand. And right. the mission will be that even that is storytelling. Crafting the LinkedIn post to tell people I've done it is storytelling. And yes. and yes. even, I don't know, writing my husband's 40th birthday card, which is tomorrow. Like, try to, like, just make, make a really beautiful wow. narrative of, like, wow, well, <laughs> you're coming to a new decade. I don't know. But wow, I awesome. I just... Love it. Um, and it's in everything. And even though it's also something that as I am a my brain hops around with a lot of different things. And so it helps me when I start telling a story as I go off on the branches that I think it needs to, though I, it helps me kind of have a high level of like, but then I have to come back here and make sure all of this makes sense. Even when I'm trying to be like, oh, I listened to this great podcast today. This is why this is something I should share with you. It's yeah. it's 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 just, yeah, and it's just how it all it's in absolutely everything um but i guess not everything but to me it in, in it's in every it's in expression and finding meaning in everything how you said yeah hold so it. oh but also another fun one is is like audio clips um even something so little as taking i work on Karen's podcast the one and done podcast and when i'm doing the clips for that i listen to it and i find the segment I start at maybe like 5 minutes i'm like okay i got to through this craft a statement that this person has made that is not taking away from what they said, but making it a bite that I can put on a reel, put it on a YouTube short. Right. And it's so satisfying to just perfectly get that into a one minute thing that keeps the meaning, keeps the little snippet of story that still directs people back to the whole thing. So storytelling is that too, if you're crafting, say, social bites or, or all of that. So
0: yeah, like pulling out the little nuggets mm-hmm. and figuring out how, why is that a little gem? you know mm-hmm. what and like you said how does that work by itself without the context yeah. around it
1: and and a story in cuz some of it you need a little bit of context so how much context can right. you leave it's like the what more can you it's when you can't take anything else away it's perfect that that mentality as a as a producer and so that it's really in play there, but it is a really cool experiment to do. And, and like that client that I work with, the documentary one, his, the company is called um, One Minute Academy. They they teach people around the world to do short videos in one minute because it forces oh, you great. to really like tell your story succinctly and to the point. And people have such a hard time with it. People struggle hardcore and you're like, you're limiting me. And he's like, nope, nope, no. Make another one later. But for this exercise, you can do yeah. it. And so, yeah. Shout out Kristoff, It's amazing. But um, yeah, great. it's... It's it's cool to get as little to, to get the exercise too, right? Of like as little context as you can make to still craft a narrative within that larger narrative for that little gem within the whole interview.
0: Do you find that you're doing more of that now? Because uh, you know people talk about the attention span, the TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram. Everybody wants these little pieces. Um, and do you find that there's more of a desire or request for that? Oh yeah.
1: And also just because of that's such an easy, uh, all the platforms are so heavily relying on that. Um, Yeah. And, but even in that, I feel like some of the clips used to be a lot longer at the start of the pandemic before that one minute thing was such a thing. Um, Some of the clips for podcasts I'd be on were two minutes. Maybe it was just like, let the thought end and make it as succinct as it can be. But now it's very, very tight. Yes. um and it is totally because of that attention span thing but i think it also makes things really satisfying and really snappy but again it is it is totally based off of all of that and i'm sure a minute is even pushing it but um people watch it so well, some it of them is. have yeah i
0: found some of them have a 90 second limit yeah now 60 second 90 second um but i also find that when people use them on youtube like all the channels that I follow, mm-hmm, the shorts. I the, I can't stand the shorts. Yeah, yeah. I cannot st- because that's not why I use YouTube. Yeah. So I find that the platform, I, I thought about it as well was that it's too annoying and it makes too many commercials. Get
1: yeah. Through. <laughs> so. yeah, and you wanna that is so it is it's so weird to be in the space race, it's the space race of all the um platforms trying to be each other and drive everybody to it. Because right, they do they all do something really, really well, and that's why they exist. Um, but to be the one that defines that is is always weird. But also I yeah. feel like with, with TikTok. I, I have resisted diving into that one, because I know it's going to suck up all of my brain, but two, I, I I get all of those memes that I see on Instagram. That's like, oh yeah, like a proper adult. I laugh at TikToks two weeks later when they make it onto reels. Like that's just how I experience (laughs) TikTok content and I'm happy with it, but, but that's, it's the secondary thing. So I need to, you know, for business purposes, I need to be on TikTok. I'm not really yet. Um, yeah. but there's also that it's it, it's the first app that popped up where I'm really feeling the generational difference. I usually uh-huh. as like oh, a God. yeah, a true millennial, I was always like, Yeah, I'm made up to all of these things and TikTok. I am oh, not. So I'm like, oh, this is how that feels. <laughs> this
0: well, imagine how I feel that I know. <laughs> <laughs> you feel that
1: way. Well, and even yeah, like uh, Tracy, I said she's turning 40. We have a, a 10 year age gap. Um, I'm turning 30. And he just is like, I don't, I don't he's like barely on any social anymore. He's like, I just don't I don't care. I don't want it. It's not, I, <laughs> yeah, we're, I we're tried spanning. it. We're, span,
0: we're spanning the decades here. 30, exactly. 40, 50. Oh, boy. So then in that short little space, that little piece in a nutshell, then what would your story be? Your little soundbite right now? Yeah. <laughs> oh <my laughs> no
1: it's, I would say, oh gosh, how do I, how do I, let's, it's not going to be short. I will try really hard <laughs> to make it short and hopefully then it will be short. Um, my story is I was born in Northern California. I think anything that starts with, I was born in is never going to be short, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's important, born in NorCal. My mom's from San Francisco, my dad's from the East coast, basically Chinese, Irish, English family grew up like very multicultural in that and it was just not a thing it was just all really inter interwoven we um into a musical family my dad uh was a tour manager and drummer then ended up at Nam, so oh. we were in NorCal then Southern California and I kind of just I was a musical and uh emotional child <laughs> all through and and uh always felt kind of other and different and I think that kind of led me to a creative path and so i've kind of woven my way through different things trying to find a way to be doing it um for my job because uh, yeah i just i lived so much in my head and my imagination that i needed to find a way to make the real world palatable and fun the way that my imagination yeah. was <laughs> and so um yeah, music industry. I love music. People. I've always been in it, and I think through finding my way in it, I've kind of found that I. I'm pretty sure at this point, at least for now, my path is to be right in the creative side of it. I've tried the business side. I've tried even you know, down to breasting. I've done all these things, and I finally found my way to be just a creative independent, um, which I think will work well for me. And so now I'm at this precipice of having left the more in-house world of doing that, yeah. um, traded that security for this freedom to do this creative work. And that is my story thus far. Kind of weaved around and tried to find myself through through music for all these different things. And I know we'll get into little parts of it, but yes. That's not how I would craft the bite, but that's, I tried so hard. And I think that is what it's going to (laughs) be.
0: I I think that's pretty great because there's a lot more in there. We will get into it, (laughs) but also it's interesting how you say you're moving into the creative side of it. While some people might say you going off and starting your own business and going independent is tackling the business side.
1: That's very true. It's, I mean, and I think right now there isn't, I don't think there are, I think you are incredibly lucky if you're a creative and don't need to also be an entrepreneur. I think that you it is almost, I, I, I think I well, I don't. It's twofold, right? I I part of me thinks enviously about those musicians that are like, I, I'm not business minded. I have a team that does it for me, but I also am grateful to not be like that because I see often people not having a handle on their money and and not be able to find a life out of that and get taken advantage of. And so I think there's a big gift in the slightly broken way that our music industry works and that I have to also be right. Like being creative is that I need to be in my business, um, for all those, those purposes. And it's, but it's hard because yeah, like it's as a creative person, like this isn't what I'm, I I can be good at it, but I should just be sitting, like I said, medicine, womaning, like making all of this stuff. Um, so it's, it's, and then you eventually build your team around it, but it, that is a really, really good point because It is true that that is at this point, me just fully taking control of the business side. It's just more of like a small business versus a corporate, I guess not corporate. I've only ever really worked in nonprofits and not for profits, but still like a larger company um, versus not crafting. Yeah. You're crafting the business. You're creating your own
0: now. Mm -hmm. You're designing your own business as opposed to helping other people with theirs. Yeah. And that's another form of major form of creativity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways we're we're very similar. I think that's why we're really connected as well, is um a lot of interests, a lot of abilities, a lot of things that we love and a lot of things that we're good at um across the board. And when that comes to creativity and being business-minded, um, people can put you into certain roles that they want you to be in that you are happy to be good at, but you may not want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a lot, there's a huge range of, of things to do and how do you pull that together and create what you love and, and make something out of it and describe it to people with what you do. (laughs) And in a similar way, I've always had partners, um, in my life who, um, We're also creative that I worked Mm -hmm. with as well. And you have that as well with Tracy. Um, you know, he is a visual artist, photographer, and um you know, very like-minded in a lot of ways. You know, how do your stories kind of mesh together or overlap or connect?
1: Yeah, it's 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 actually so beautiful and wild how well it does too, because and say I guess for the and the art side of it, he um because he's a very more visual, much more visual artist. I'm visual as well, but um his his strength is in the photography, it's in design. And so we work together on all of my musical projects. And so he's really good at taking my album and helping me figure out what that art should be that tells the story of that. Whereas I, I can tell it really well through audio and through through words. And he is very good at the the visual side. Um and so as a partnership, it's just really fun to work together like that. And we have another buddy that we're working on a project with and uh, Tracy will like edit the the footage and stuff and do that. And then I do the audio editing and we help him with story. And it's just it's cool that yeah, we're very complimentary in that way and can bounce ideas off of him. Like he understands what it means to be creative. He was also, he's not in the freelance world right now, but he was mm-hmm. at around the same time I am now. And so uh-huh. he can offer a lot of, you know, advice and and just um or he he knows what I'm going through, I guess, is is really helpful. And but also why, why I love to do all of this. And he can kind of, you know, speak the language that I do in terms of that. But but even down so far as um, how we interact with the world, right? Like he's, there, there's like a little gift in the fact he's half Filipino. And so we are able to, he's really one of the only people I know that I feel comfortable going to when I'm dealing with mixed heritage and like how I interact with the world in this yeah. way and what's okay, yeah. because he knows exactly how I feel. Um, I mean, and there's cultural difference, right, between Filipino and Chinese. But being mixed Asian people, looking white, it's he's really one of the people I feel like I should go to to talk about this. And so it's yeah. beautiful to have that in a partner to make sense of the world in that way, in our own stories and our family stories too, which mm-hmm. is so intrinsic to the story, the, to the work that I do. So um, yeah, yeah, it's wild that we found each other because he, he was in Chicago and but doing, but also with music, he was doing fil- music photography, and and all our worlds were always. Very compatible, and so, when we finally found each other it was through that, like I would write the blogs that he was shooting for the the live shows, and so that was already complimentary and um yeah, it's just really special to have that partnership to um i don't know to create together in that way, but we're not really you know it's we're not stepping on each other's toes, I guess I would assume maybe it, if someone if there were two musicians together, maybe you might compete um but yeah, but it's also something that I've I've been like, oh, other times in my life, I'm like that'd be really cool to just be you, you know, the little guitar duo that's like, you know, the love ballads <laughs> or whatever. But I think that it's I'm grateful that I have this because it's we're very complementary and and it plays out well in the way that our 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 skills in creativity are complementary yeah. rather than like the same. If that yeah. makes sense. So did, yeah, did- it's special.
0: Did he grow up in a, a musical or a, an artistic creative family, I should say?
1: Uh, no, but a crea- like his dad was a huge music lover. Like he was a mm-hmm. deadhead dude that was like, he was the bouncer at all the clubs and like would <laughs> knew somehow Alice Cooper at the zoo in Chicago. Like his dad is just like Chicago and so Tracy just grew up um, very comfortable in those spaces. And it, we we laughed too, because it's, I was always comfortable like being backstage, like toddled around, like my, we joke my dad was the road crew and Tracy's dad was loading the guys in. And so yeah, the different yeah. ways that we were comfortable around a show and around the music exactly. industry, um, but still comfortable in it. But, but, and he always says too, his experience was interesting because his mom isn't as is like a, she's immigrant nurse, like very much like you will be successful. You will know how to do this. Like you will, you know, you will, you will do the thing. And Tracy's dad was the one that would like get him the crayons and things and be like, you can be whatever you want to be. So he's like, between that, I ended up with a a functioning life. <laughs> like I was able to merge like ambition and drive and freedom to be a creative little boy. Yeah. Like he was yeah. a, he would paint trains and, and, you know, he would do murals and things from a super young age. And so, um, but it's cool how people find their way into that. But he, he credits yeah. that with like the duality of his home life yeah. helped him to be a, you know, a, a, functioning creative. I don't know. I don't know if functioning is the right word, but right. He works it into it and he's happy in a corporate setting right now being a designer. So maybe that's part of that as well, that he's able to do that, to do both. Yeah.
0: Yeah, There's more opportunity to do that. And, you know, I was going to say, you know, you're, you're, growing up. Um, I mean, you grew up, you grew up in that creative space, but also in a business space, you grew up in a, in a scenario that's not very common. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, your dad for what for most of your life yeah. was uh, CEO of NAM, you know, the uh, National Association of Music Merchants, which is a really old organization. Mm-hmm that has had a lot of consistency and stability. I mean, I had been checking it out and realizing that, you know, NAM has had what three CEOs in the last, you know, what, 80 years, uh, something like that. And I went, Oh my God, that (laughs) there, that's just not something that has been in my world, that kind of consistency. Um, Like how did that impact you growing up inside of that, where your dad is kind of the head honcho of this big organization for, you know, a cool field. Um and yeah, what did that do for you? What was that like? It was
1: wild. I'm so grateful for it. I think it I think there's I think the biggest gift that it gave me was feeling confident that I had a place within it. I think and Nam is really and, and my dad's role in it is special because he it is I always thought of it as Switzerland. Like you're right in the middle of the industry, you're not at any one company, you're you're really just helping everybody come together and be successful. And so, within that, I was just always around everybody. It was yeah. never part of any one thing. I learned about everything. Everybody was like my uncles and my aunts. And um <laughs> it was really special. And so, in that, like I said, I think that I knew there was a there was a place for me. I just didn't really maybe knew what it was, but I felt yeah. comfortable in these spaces very early on and 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 with that, too, like I'm so grateful that my dad really built a team at Nam that was very. It, he, it was purely like meritocracy kind of, kind of thing, but I was always surrounded with C-suite and like VP director level women in music business. And so it was never weird to me until I then, I, and I think at that point, I think I was actually really shielded because of how wonderful Nam was and and the world that I was in with Nam was such a safe place. I, I, saw myself in high level roles, you know, I was like, great, I could do this. And I didn't know what yet, but I think it's been interesting getting out more into it on my own now, outside of, and, and even places like the Recording Academy, you are so taken care of and everybody's so wonderful. And so now being a freelancer, I'm starting to experience a few of these things that you hear people talking about. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is why some people are like, Oh, the music industry. Like, cause I've been, uh, it's, there are places that are so yeah. safe and so wonderful. And Nam was exactly that. And so, um, it was, I, it was, it's, it's a trip because there's, there's these little things, right? Like we were talking about how do I, I did also have to, to get the muscle of does anybody want to know me for me or do they want me for the proximity of my dad? Like when I was a little kid, it didn't matter because I was just bopping around. But when I got to be older and working the shows and show floor and trying to make my own way in it, um, it was always like really disappointing when they would have that little light bulb moment of like, oh, this person really just wanted me to pass along their demo to my dad, which what's he going to do with that? (gasps) But
0: like, (laughs) right,
1: Right. little things like that where it's like, okay, okay. So, but it's a, but it was a a skill i guess that i am also grateful that i've learned cuz i did have to get a pretty thick skin uh, but and when i say that nam was was sheltering though too that thick skin was also getting run right on the shore floor and having creepy dudes that were sh- like three times my age being like oh are you single i was like 19 <laughs> at the time and, and learning like i don't need to say sorry no like i can just say no or i can just not yeah. you know there are all these yeah. little things i learned really early because nam is such a melting pot of the music industry so it's more like the sh- the show itself was a great proving ground in so many ways. And then being part of him being part of the organization and growing up around it was just such a special, 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 weird fairy tale thing. It honestly, like I would yeah. just, I, I kind of felt like in a weird way, kind of like the princess, if that it, it's weird, yeah, but like, I see that. It just was, I just was able to exist in all these places and I, I loved him and everybody was so nice. And I was also so proud of my dad, like he has led, I think, incredibly well and was so, he just yeah. was also such a great model of diplomacy and and tact and friendliness and geniality and things. And um, so being attached to that and learning from him and modeling my own skills after him was a huge gift. So yeah, you're, it's. It, I love how you phrase it, that it's not a common situation because like in what other... Right. I don't know. It, and Maybe other industries have it, but music industry is so cool that I don't know that it would feel as cool as it was growing up, like in the middle of the music products industry like this in the nu- the nucleus.
0: Yeah. I it, it's, it's unusual because there's not a lot of situations where people can be in the situation that you're in. No. Yeah. You don't yeah. have a lot of people to talk to about it. And and you don't have you don't have siblings.
1: Right? I do. I have you a brother. Do. Um I have a little brother and but he he doesn't work in music. He's very creative as well. He's a drummer. Um and he toyed with it I think for a little bit. Like he would come to the shows and, and he was shadowing a little bit just trying to see what he wanted okay. to do. But he's working in real estate right now um in Dallas and and killing it. So he yeah we can awesome. we we but it, we do have that shared experience of growing up like okay. that. Um, but yeah with the I mean, the closest I think I have to it is is Natalie, um, because her her dad and my dad were were friends coming up in in the business and stuff too. And she, to a certain extent, I think feels. Not even, I, I'm I know she feels similarly with this kind of chip we have on our shoulder of trying to make our own way and prove our own worth, kind of thing as people in the industry. And so it is special to have that relationship. Um, so
0: can I break in who, who is
1: Natalie? Oh yeah. Great question. <laughs> um, Natalie is Natalie Morrison. My, um, and she works at Diderio right now and is the, but she's my collaborator on the women of Nam podcast. She hosts yes, it. Heard. And then, um, yeah, she, it was her, her brainchild, but yes, we, we met working on the Nam PR team a while ago, um, cause they live on the East coast. So even though our dads have been friends forever, we, we found each other like college age. Um, so yeah, it is, but I, but right. I have one person that I can talk to about that. Yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's unusual. Um, uh, and that's why the experience is interesting to talk about too. Um, did you, then did you grow up playing music because totally. you are in it? I mean, could you play music now, but I mean, um, what did you, what was the first thing you started I would say, what was the first instrument? Did you pick up and start playing, but you might've started singing. What was the first, uh, what memories do you have of digging in?
1: (laughs) I think it was, um, piano was the first one that I learned for sure. But yeah, I love that you said singing because I think I just kind of came out babbling and singing like that I think was the first, but, um, when I think of it, I think of piano. Uh, I, yeah, I think around five, I started taking lessons and, um, it, it just is, it is my, my native instrument. It is how I, and it was always how I, um, like I was in lessons and that was always, it was fun. I would, you know, teachers every now and then, like would, I struggled with the theory and with reading sheet music. I I was really great at playing by ear. I think immediately I was teaching myself songs from the very beginning because I wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. And if the teacher was teaching me something boring, I would sound it out myself if I wanted to learn, you know, the Lord of the Rings theme, which was the first song I ever taught myself. So, oh my um, but I ended up with a teacher that I loved so much when we moved to San Diego, one of our neighbors, cause she was, she would help tailor it to what I wanted to play. And, and even down to, you know, when I was going through rough times, she, she would like give me songs in minor key and then eventually move me into majors so that I could, but yeah, it just yeah. from an early, I guess, as long as I can remember the piano was how I knew to, manage these feelings I had inside of me to take them out and make something with it to I could I could play something that sounded like how I felt um so yeah I always played piano but um and I do recitals I was like in that little that little track I guess um and then I picked up guitar in around eighth grade I think um but on and off, I like I learned Time of Your Life by Green Day, and that, that was the only song I could play for a while. And then on your porch <laughs> by the format, I had two songs in my repertoire. Um, and I started playing it more seriously about maybe like five years ago, because a lot of my music I write sounds great on guitar. So I've I've taught myself a little bit more of that and done lessons here and there. But um yeah, and then but singing the whole time. And I did singing in high school, like I took singing lessons and but was trained kind of musical theater. But I've been, so it's been cool at this point. I'm taking, I I, I do Shano's Gaelic singing now, um, oh, like Irish nice. Gaelic. And it's been really cool to learn that style because my voice is so much better suited to that than to belting and all that. And it's been cool to learn that that is literally genealogical and physical. Like my vocal cords are made in a pretty thin, way probably to be able to, to do these things though. And my ear just really quickly and easily picks up all these weird modes. Like it's, it's really empowering to learn to be, t- it's, I'm taking vocal lessons this way. One to learn the music, but it's been also just teaching me technique that I'm taking back to my music. That is not that because it's helping me have a lot greater control over my voice. So it's just been all of that. Let's dig into that because I'm going to
0: jump around a little bit here from what we talked about. In fact, I wanted to kind of hit you with some other questions here that aren't on our question (laughs) list. (laughs) But um, this is so fun. I want to dig into that because so I'm thinking about you growing up as a child for one with music. Mm -hmm. It's just there, it's just around because I I grew up the same way, just music just always was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like you had a choice, like to choose it? Did no. you just pick it up well, because it was there? Like, like, um, or was it expected?
1: I think I think it, I never even thought of it. I think. I think I'm sure lessons might have felt like a choice, or like I was forced at times to be doing it. But the music itself and my connection to it, I, I wonder how much of that was just because it was so easy to be around. It was just there. Like the tools were at my disposal, but, um, I think accessible. a lot of it was just instinctive. I think it, I think, um, I just found it because it made sense to me. Um, but, and for the business side of it, yeah, that's a whole other thing of like, did I feel like I had ever a choice to be in the music industry and all that? Like you we know, get that. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I did, but I think also I didn't at a certain point, but, but in a really good way. Um, but yeah, as a kid, it was just a a lot of people get forced into piano and they don't stay with it. And they're like, yeah, it was my main interest. And then I leave it. But I just love, love, love the piano. There's just something about it. Um, and I never left it, but I I, I would leave lessons and come in and out. So I think that's where choice might've come in more so than the playing.
0: But your love for it is your own. Yeah. You made it your own. Yes. Yes. Yeah very good. Yeah.
1: But it's fun in that too, with the types of music when I, and thinking about that, that a lot of it I found, my, my mom will say like, I don't know where you found country. Like we didn't have any of that like around, like my dad loved what he loved and it was like Beatles and Eric Clapton and and all that and Phil Collins. And um that was what was around most. And my mom, you know, my mom loves like Frankie Valley and all. And like, so it was, all that was around, but I somehow found myself with movie soundtracks and with outlaw country and all these things where they're like, I don't know where you got that stuff, but I just would like lie on the floor and listen to it. And so there's, it's cool that some of music was always around, but I found little bits of it. And like Irish folk, right? Old folk um, that just still spoke to me in some way that I don't, that I chose and I have no idea why, but it's just the stuff that I think sounded right to my little soul from the beginning
0: <laughs> I grew up with my dad always you know he had his records and he you know he was a musician my mom would play yes. with him as well but um you know Waylon and Willie you know Waylon Jennings and all the, you know that that was constantly playing he was playing it himself and singing it. it still does so
1: well and know. in that though did you find something else other than that right like I wonder if that's a oh thing yeah that I, you I I actually deviated.
0: not a, I'm not a country fan at all yeah
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> but
0: there's something about I mean there's always a connection there's always something that you love from it right there's yes. things that I I love a lot of the old 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 music um and I ended up finding more metal and punk where mm-hmm. my dad was a big Jimi Hendrix you know, doors and, 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 but, but, and countries. So kind of coming from those, those two places and bluegrass and whatnot, which is very typical. I I think of a lot of boomers coming out of yeah. that sixties. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just, to me, it's like I had access to everything. It just was all around me all the mm-hmm. time. So, you know, you find your, your, you find the thing that resonates with your own soul, your yeah. own spirit. And that is unique to you. You don't even know that where it comes from. And it's that exposure. If you're exposed to it and it resonates with you and you grab it and it's yours. You know, I think I, somebody, I I was a big Kate Bush fan when nobody, one person knew of Kate Bush in the (laughs) early eighties. Right. And, and um, before she got really big and uh, he turned her on to me, a guy that I went to high school with, I don't even know how he heard about her Yeah, older brother and shared it with me. And I just went, Oh my God, she's yeah. so weird. Yep, I love yep. her. Like, my witchy princess. queen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and every, none of my friends liked her. Never did any of my friends ever like her. And <laughs> I had everything, you know, and so I had all of her, her, her discography at, to, yes. up to a certain point.
1: Well, and she's yours at that point, which is yeah. so special. A, yeah. a, that, Right. That representation, that exposure, just here, it's such a, gift to find somebody that sounds like the inside of your head does right or how you how <laughs> no, you feel like, like you do yeah it's the inside so of
0: my cool. head sounds like that oh even God. if you're
1: the only person that loves it right like you're like exactly. that, that is that makes sense to me <laughs> it yeah. sounds like me
0: <laughs> well that's what I was thinking about and I I, I grew up um really loving um, movies and, and movie soundtracks. So mm-hmm. I was one of the only people I knew too, that also had a lot of records of soundtracks. Yeah. And so when you talked about, you know, wanting to be, um, a film composer, you know, that made sense to me. And I want to hear about why you wanted to be a film composer, but also then when you went to school, you didn't go to school for that. No. You no. you studied psychology.
1: Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think, before I wanted to be able to be a film composer, I wanted to be a paleontologist and a oh. dolphin trainer. and then it was film composer. So like that was <laughs> like film composer was my childhood job dream for and and it stayed that way. And I think because of because of these this music I would find, and I I would I it just spoke to me so much and i I just wanted to live in these worlds all of the time. Like I was so imaginative and so right. Emotional and stuff. I just, the real world was just really boring. It wasn't, it wasn't like all of my, like Lord of the Rings and Narnia at the time, and parts of Caribbean, all these epic fantasy things that I was just living in. And like, so Hans Zimmer completely dominated my and Howard Shore, I guess too, for Lord of the Rings. But, um, but I loved picking out safer. I think it was maybe the, um, Oh, Madagascar soundtrack. The second one, there's little things that, that Hans Zimmer would do, like working in say like marimba, if it's a, if it's a thing based in Africa, like just, um and right, that's grossly generalizing Africa as a continent, but you know, like the, the, the little bits of, of scores that take place into account with the instrumentation. Like I loved, I would find these like Easter eggs and, and even like, like the flags of our father's soundtrack or no letters from Iwo Jima. There was something where it was, Oh yeah. The theme was on, um, uh, trumpet. And so it sounded a little bit like taps and it was just this beautiful, but it was a, it was this melancholy, beautiful melodic thing. So I would just sit and listen for hours of these things and just feel it. Like they would make me feel things. And maybe that is a little bit of that. I also just really needed that to, to feel deeply. Like I I had a high threshold for, you know, that, like I say, the real world was boring. Like I needed I needed to connect with something a lot that that could make me feel the depths of what I was able to feel. So, um, I thought, I just thought writing scores was what I could do because I would, I would just play out my feelings. It was all instrumentation on the piano instrumentals. and, And then I finally, my parents got me a keyboard eventually. And I was, I'd layer the strings and all these, and I would just write, I would, I would make these compositions, um, and yeah, and and the thought was, maybe I'd want to go to college and do that. So my piano teacher was teaching me how to use Sibelius and how to notate things. And and I I could have done it. Like they were, they were trying to help me create a portfolio. And I just, I think I just choked. Like, and I wonder, as I was thinking about this, I think a little bit of it might also have been too, like it was something that was so personal to me. And it did take me a really long time to think of music as something that I could share. And so I wonder if that self-sabotage, right? Of being like, Never mind. I'm going to major in psych. Um, hmm. Was a little bit that I just wasn't ready to share that with anybody else, and and I don't know. It's hard because I think a lot of it too can come back to. I had a really not great experience, like relationship wise, when I was 14, that was really intrinsically tied to to sound and to theater and things. And I think it took me a while to come back to that and feel safe and have agency around that. And so I think it probably is all super intertwined in that. And so what I, I it was between Uni- University of Oregon and, and Chapman, and all of me was saying, Go to Eugene, go to U of O, like live in the trees. And then I was like, But Chapman is near LA, and if I want to do film composing and music, I should probably be near LA. So I was uh, like, Okay, so I chose Chapman, went in undeclared, was like, I have time. Um, but and and why I love Chapman was the film school, we had an incredible film school. I too, I, I toured it when I was doing that, I fell in love with the film school. And and still yet I was I just I chose psychology at the end of it because a, a music business major didn't exist. I think at that point I was also still in the headspace of following my dad's footsteps, like just being my dad was like my he was my representation. So I was like, great, I'll do that. Um and music business didn't exist. So I tried to build my own major and and then yeah, we were laughing at this. I was looking at all the business requirements I would have to do, and I just was like, like accounting. I just was like, I can't, I can't put myself through this. And so I didn't do it. And I have always loved people and talking to people. And let's talk about story. uh, But in the background of all this music stuff too, was that I just love people. And I love talking and I love learning about people. And I would always be that friend that was listening to people and helping people with their problems. And I was also like, and I loved working with kids. There was a little bit of me that always was like, education might have been a cool way to go down too. And so um, I, yeah, I, out of the choices presented to me, which at the time did not feel like they were music, which is wild. I picked psychology, but I love it. And I loved it. Um, And then I I minored in education, basically, which basically ended up being kind of like a nonprofit studies thing. Um, And then I did my senior thesis on... Early childhood music brain research, basically like a talking about how the Mozart effect doesn't exist. Like you have to be playing music rather than listening to it to get the brain benefits. And um uh-huh. and and it was so I I found my way back, but it's it's so funny because now after I went to school, you know, went to school, went to women's audio mission into classes and, and learned how to engineer and being in the studio and running events for people that are in pro audio to talking about producing, everybody always says that. You need to be a psychologist to be a producer. And so internally I always laugh so hard. So I'm like, well, I, I agree. I, I did it. I majored in it. And so I'm able to, I really have, I'm really good at helping people get to the 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 kernel of what they're trying to express and and to the help them get their stories out. Um and understanding the way people tick, like the why of everything, like why you must be feeling this way. Like, how can we, how can we make that better how can we transmute that into something like art and so I don't think I think I had to I I think I might have found creativity as a life earlier but I also think that whatever my unique path is I must have had to do that uh, and go that route so that's the long of it but it's somewhere
0: that will pay off for you in there like that (laughs) I've had we have a lot of similarities in that piece too you know I studied anthropology and archaeology we talked about this (laughs) study business i hated hated accounting i I failed it because i was already working in my industry you know design um but also that helping people and having that ability to connect Mm -hmm. connect people um it's it's what i've learned is and as a martial artist you know for 30 years and teaching and i taught children and developed programs You learn to get into people's shoes and feel what they're feeling. It's basically being like an empath, Mm -hmm. you know, and being able to be empathetic and understand and then say, okay, you might be thinking about it from this point of view. So so you become a translator too, or somebody that leads somebody to a path.
1: Yeah. And storytelling in that, that's exactly that. You take that empathy and you can help someone make sense of it through story, using story to, yeah. Yeah
0: and there's a huge joy you have i can feel it and i know that feeling very well in helping people do that when people find that place i mean it's the rick rubin effect too you know yeah, it's yeah. it's a bit of that like um well you know I, I see something special in there and you should do this but this is a little bit more special in that sense of helping people see something in themselves that yeah. they may not yet see yeah and that is can be difficult when you're trying to find that path for yourself and um, i'm still on it We always, I I think it's a lifelong path. So, um, but I I love the story of that because it also you're staying close to the music in the film. Like you're close to it by staying at Chapman, (laughs) studying psychology. You know, and that's something that's going to help. Um, And you know, you're channeling that into all these different things that you're doing. And I see all these different things that you've you've done as I was digging into your history. I was like. Oh my God! I guess I kind of—I mean, I didn't do as many of those things in in terms of involvement. involvement, But I've had to peel things off of my, you know, profile and resume as I get older, because it's just there's so many little things. But Mm -hmm. you—you have so much involvement in school, in internships, in, um, you know, sorority involvement, um, all these different projects and the involvement you know, like to me, I see, because when I met you, you are, you're involved in so many different things. Um, how has that helped you? Like, how has that benefit? are you seeing the benefits of being of that involvement? Um, and the challenges that also go along with, you know, being somebody that just likes to try a lot of things, which I think you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the benefit of, I, uh, and with majoring in psych, right. I, I've learned everything I think in music by doing and business by doing. And so, by trying everything, I think I was also trying to teach myself all of these things. Like if I wanted to learn about something, I would try to get an internship or try to assist somebody in doing it and and learn that way, um, rather than go back to school to learn it. And so, all these things and and um the the main challenge is just that there's the thing that has always been left out is my own creativity. I've been doing all these things to try to figure out a way to get a stable life in this industry and figure out what that would be, what that career path might be that feels fulfilling and feels good. And to, to, to come to the end and be like, I think it's to not have one, but you know, but have my own one, have, have one that doesn't exist yet was the thing. But anyway, but I had to try a million things to know. And I think, I think it's hard whenever I, I talk to, I've been. I've had a few mentorship conversations and stuff through Grammy U, and and with that, I feel right. Like I don't know that I can offer anything other than what we talk about helping people get to what they want to do. But what I always try to tell people is is if you can the mo- the more intentional you can be as you're trying all these different things, at least like having an end zone ish, then you can know at least if you have a direction that you're trying everything in, it will hone itself into your path. And like, I, I would never have been able to just pick something right off the beginning. And so a lot of all my involvements was trial and error to just see what I liked. And um, there's a balance in there that I think I needed to do it this way. And I've counseled people to, to really maybe try to think early, say like, if, if I, I think back and if I had known that right film composition was say what I wanted to do for my end zone, Um, which I think has evolved a little bit anyway, but I hope I do a little bit of that someday in the future. But, you know, if I had had that, maybe the things I would have tried might have led me more directly into that. And I think all I knew was the business path. So in what people can be doing to think about that is just have your goal, but then let that lead to the many things that you try, because there's a million different careers within every part of music and every part of creativity And and choose to fill. And I also really love doing a million different things at once. I think I'm not well suited to doing one task every day for the same the same thing. And so doing a million different things and trying a million different things has felt um a lot more fulfilling and not not uh stifling, maybe is a good way to say that. Or yeah, it's just how I had to do it. I had to just try it, like throw myself into situations to, to learn by doing. And I think maybe that's a little bit of growing up in the position I did. I did have a lot of doors open for me. And I also felt that I should take them when they did like, just, okay, do it. Like, all right. Like um, being able to just say yes to whatever, but there is a huge gift and a power though, of saying yes to every, not everything, but knowing, getting the skill down when something feels right, that it is something that you should try that because it almost then you get into the slipstream and other things will find you. And it's like, it's like bumper cars and bowling. Like you're, you're in your stream and you're finding your different things. um, And each will lead you to the next. And that has at least been my experience that everything will lead me to the next. And when I have felt like something was not leading anywhere, it was very obvious. And that was when I needed to pivot and just try a different direction of something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say with the hindsight that I have at this this point in my life, um, I would say that the um, saying yes to everything and trying things in the young years is the way to go. Yeah, you know, because it gets harder to do all of that as you get older when you decide to like, okay, I'm just doing But I've seen a lot of young people try to really craft their pathway a little too carefully, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or have it crafted for them. And, um, and that's something that could have happened for you. Like you were saying, you mentioned that, that piece of, uh, you know, there's, here's my dad, I have this pathway. I'm just going to do that. Yeah. You know, and I was going to say like, what, what, um, what was, was that you you said that was a thought that you had like, okay, I'm just going to go here. That could have been easily just something that you did and, um, you know, be in his shadow, following his footsteps. What were the doors that opened up? What were the ways that you were in his shadow? um and what What made you veer away from that and decide? I mean, did you really decide to to veer away from that, or was it a gradual thing? That's a lot of questions in there, yeah,
1: no, but they're good it's all it's all wrapped up in the same thing. I think. I, I don't know that I decided other than that it was like a gradual, a gradual thing. And I think there might've been a little bit of a gift in that I never, like, even though I was very well tied to it and it, I was very much intrinsically part of it. Um, I also was gifted with a father who was like hyper aware of of nepotism. And so there was no way I was ever going to work at NAM until I had either earned the heck of my way in or he was no longer there. And so that in and of itself was never an immediate goal. Like work getting in there and working my way up at the company just it wouldn't have looked good. So it was like let's let's not. Um so But I think the, the business side, I think, and I think when I look back, what I really wanted to be, and what I still really want to do in its footsteps is, is lead like he does. And like he, like he did. And and I think it's a lot of those soft skills that I always idolized. And so when I look at, and, but I didn't separate that in the beginning, like, I just be like, yeah, I want to, I just want to be in this space. And I think that's the best way to do it high up at NAMM. Like, I think that is the only space or I, I just didn't see another way. And, and, um, and so as I started to get into it and, and was learned a little bit more about what actually these roles did. It wasn't just that my dad was doing this and Mary Larson was doing this. And I, 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 rather than being these people, their little day-to-day tasks, learning more about what these roles entailed and being like, oh, I don't know that I'd want to be president <laughs> of them. I think it sounds like a lot. Shout out, John. You're going to be great. Um, but it's not what
0: it's all cracked up to be or what you're... Um... It's
1: probably amazing, but it just... As Again, as a creative person, and that was something though that I, to my parents' credit too, I'd I'd talk about, yeah, like I want to, I want to just, you know, I want to, I I don't even know how I'd say it, but it was always, I could do whatever I wanted. And they also didn't think I would want to do this. (laughs) It was like, my dad's like, I don't know that you want my job. I think like you, you'd probably maybe like market development, if you really were looking that way, like something more creative, something more partnerships oriented, but it was always though when I started to look at the, the, the little bits of everything that I don't know that that I didn't know that I could see myself actually in those shoes eventually. And so, but at that point it was how, what, what does that even look like? Because the product world though, and the entertainment world, which is where I have found myself more in the creative side, like the artist side, which does cross over a lot with product, but It was just like we we were saying, it's all, it was business. Everything I saw was business. And and they they cross over to a certain extent, especially in pro audio, but I didn't grow up with a lot of role models that were working artists. Like they were all people that would come to play at the show and I'd be like, God, this is so cool. But everybody I was learning from were working at manufacturers or at music stores and all these things. And so I actually didn't, I think, have the representation on a granular level to what I should have been doing. Um, and through no fault of, you know, my parents and the people around me, like I said, they were trying to help me create a portfolio to do it. But I think at some level, I, without seeing it firsthand, like I didn't see anybody that I, that really, I felt like I could be like, that felt really, really true and like myself. So I I think that might've been also why I kind of careened around a lot, trial and erroring, trying to find it. Um, so I think it was gradual. I think, as I started doing these jobs in the business, it was more of like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. And so moving away from trying, moving a little bit towards every time what felt good. But the high level was always, though, at that footstep part to be in the music industry, mm. just period. It wasn't. So I think it, it, I didn't have it granulared into being at any place or at any certain role. It was just, I want to be in music. And so I was just taking whatever I could get to be in music. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was that. So, but it was, it's been slow of, of figuring out what I do like and what I didn't like, realizing that that was taking me pretty far from my initial first, you know, example of that um, in my dad. And, but not far at all in terms of, like I said, the soft skills. Like I think it's, and with him, like he started as a creative and, and as a drummer. And so it's been really special to go through these things and have him as a, as a mentor to bounce things off of because he is just so excited for me to be doing this now, not after working in a job for 20 years and then doing it. Like I'm doing it in real time. And I think he's really excited for me to do a little bit of that, that he didn't, I think he doesn't feel like he had the chance to do. Um, so it's yeah, it's special.
0: That's interesting. It, it, it sounds like your parents also just they gave you that gift of being able to be open to to figure yeah. out what you love, to yeah. let you be you, but also give you experiences and exposure totally The to things, which is the best combination. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I was these options. So but
1: lucky. Yeah. yeah my <laughs> my parents are the best. I, I, and we're like so close. I'm I Tracy just laughs. He's like, man, you're like a little unicorn. You have just the most like healthy little close family unit and it I'm so grateful because yeah they're the they're just the best. So um yeah yeah a lot of it it's it's all because of that but it's been interesting to to yeah in that find my way through a lot of as we were saying that trial and error. So yeah. Yeah.
0: This episode was brought to you by the Functional Fabric Fair powered by Performance Days, the premier trade show for performance fabrics and materials. Since 2018, the Functional Fabric Fair has been providing a unique, highly curated trade show experience in the performance materials space, aimed at providing customers with the very best options to create the highest level products in the market. Having a strong focus on education and sustainability, the Functional Fabric Fair is committed to tackling the biggest issues we face today in regards to product manufacturing and our environment. With five shows throughout the year from Portland to New York City to Munich, you're sure to find what you need at the Functional Fabric Fair and Performance Days. So what made you decide to go solo? Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, because you you seem kind of like you've been in you know fairly independent anyway, um, so it makes sense. But you've really declared that you're really starting your own business now. Your unpaved unpaved path studio. Yes. yes. And um, so, talk about why you started that. What was the catalyst to doing that and declaring it as your as your next step?
1: Yeah, I i have been trying to think of what my next step would be for a few years, um, and because I loved, I loved what I was doing. And as I just thought of, all right, now what is next? Because as we've said, I don't love doing any one thing for <laughs> too long, um, but and just little bits of it though, right? That didn't feel enough like me. That I was like, okay, what is this next step? And, and weighing all the factors of all the million directions I could go in, um, in staying in a salaried kind of nine to five role nothing was coming up that felt like me or that felt like it was a logical next step. And so um at the same time I'd been like you were saying I, I've been working freelance outside of my job day job for years now and and was running two podcasts and um doing tons of events and and I just I, I had a lot going on. Like <laughs> I was always doing a lot. And um but finally like yeah we were as we were mentioning I I I hadn't, but it just hadn't occurred to me that I could just, I could not have a day job and I could do this freelance stuff, which would then open up time for my music to do all of these things and maybe, maybe make money that way. Um, and so it, and it, the catalyst, which is hilarious was that I, I just had been talking myself in circles and I think probably Tracy was eventually just tired of hearing about it and was like, what if you just quit? I was like, Oh, what? I could do that. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I did it at your age. Like you can, it's, you know, it is an option. And I think at some point, some way I didn't think it was for me because I, I got, I don't know. I feel like I was relatively young when we got married uh, for, for now. And I think I felt like I didn't I was, I'm still, I think, figuring out what that means to be responsible for somebody else at this time of my life where I'm really experimenting with a million things and didn't know what I wanted to do. So I think it, in a weird way, him giving me that permission, which it wasn't, it was, he literally was just offering an idea. But I think to me, that felt like permission because he was almost like he was saying it was okay for me to let him down in my mind, which felt like letting him down Mm. by letting go of like a nicely salaried job. Cause then that leads to, we probably can't buy a house in the next few years. We probably can't, you know, all these trickle down life things that I was risking and I am risking by choosing a more unpaved creative path. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when I finally realized that that was okay and I think and that became the only option, nothing else felt right because it was like, oh no, I was supposed to, I'm supposed to do this at this juncture and maybe I'll end up and another salary job eventually. But for right now, to do the work I wanted to do, I I I really just needed to make a break and and start doing the projects I wanted to be doing. So that even one day if I'm back in an in-house somewhere, I'm doing the more creative production side rather than like operational stuff, which I had been doing and, and loving. But I it was that thing where I realized I I'd, I'd been doing and I'd known, I guess I didn't realize that I'd known it forever, but I just didn't know how to make that shift that I was helping people do the things I wanted to be doing um, for my job. And so Um, yeah, I just, and, and little bits of it, right. Talking to my dad mentoring, he was like, Oh, don't even say you're going freelance. Like you're starting a business start. Like it's a studio start. And so I was like, Oh yeah. So it's been cool to, to, to think of it that way, because it's thinking of it as a creative production studio um, rather than just, I'm going freelance for these million projects has helped me think of it in so much more of a finite way of like a small business. I can think of things this way. It's right. Even my, my business bank account is funneled through there. It's these little things, or it's easier to think of myself as a business when it's, a, it's, when it's like a creative house that I have uh, found. And what I, what I arrived at was, um, well, a song off of my album, uh, I've hemmed and hawed over what to call it forever. Cause that's a huge thing nothing really felt right. I had like pages of, of, of what to do. And there was a song, Unpaved Roads on one of my, on Mm -hmm. on my last album. And it just was, I love that song. And it was just this capturing of what it felt like to be in my mid twenties of like, I feel like I was letting everybody down, had no idea what my path was, but I also had to be on it. And so like, and there's power in that. And there's, and so I just loved that phrase. And honestly, it was, I was looking at the Lord here album Lonesome Dreams. And I was like, God, that'd be a cool LLC name. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if I have, I, bought. I wonder if, well, my first thought was, I wonder if their company is named after one of their songs. My second thought was I could do that. So <laughs> and I was like, Unpaid Roads has a dang good ring to it. So, um, that's how that ended up and and that's the best way I could sum it up because I work on pro- podcasts I work on I write things I I I, I do and music production and I want to get back to engineering and producing again um and plus writing and releasing my own music and all that creative production studio is the best way that I think I could wrap that up into one thing so as not to limit myself because I don't want to I love all these projects and so yeah um yeah that's where we landed and that is where we are now um and it's Thus far, it's great. I'm three weeks in and I'm hitting a little bit of that terror of like, <laughs> oh, wow, I'm fully in control of my own time. The Indian was like, I'm fully in control of my own time. And this like, week, it's been like, I'm fully in control of my own time. And if I waste it, it's, it's only my fault. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's terrifying, just, isn't it's it? <laughs> so we're, we're deep in it right now. This is the messy middle, but um, but it's fun. It's exciting.
0: But yeah there's a different there's a different feeling when you yeah. start to call it a business like you know when i look at your profile and it says um you know unpaved path studio 12 you've been it says you've been doing it for 12 years i know
1: <laughs> it's just funny right just that little switch uh, like cuz it, it had just been like self employed and and it just is so much cuz i i literally have been doing this work for that is wild for 12 years is when i started doing freelance things. It's been the entirety of the time I've been having a day job. I've been doing some freelance project in what I wanted to be doing. That wasn't my day job. <laughs>
0: so, And now you're yeah. a business owner. Now you're, you're, you're declaring yourself in a new position, yeah. you know, and, and it's interesting. I wrote um, an article last year about going pro, which mm-hmm. was phrased by Stephen Pressfield, the author, and he has a book called going pro and you might want to read it. It's really small. I, gonna say, I'm gonna write down. I feel one. like I
1: read that article. But. Yeah. He
0: has a, his well-known book is called the uh, war of art. Oh. And a lot yeah. of people know about it. And the growing pro piece is when you decide to go pro, which is exactly what you just did. Right. As soon yeah. as you decide to step into these shoes and be this, this, this leader, this, this role. Um, and it just kind of outlines that really, really nicely. And so to me, that's what I see when you're, you know, you've got this unpaved path and Mm -hmm. and you're paving it as you go, you know, and you don't know where it's going to go. And that's the beauty of it. I love that piece. You know, I always say people like us are, I've got the machete going through the jungle. Like I'm, you know, I wrote that down when you were talking earlier, you know, the big word that pops out to me for you is trailblazer. Mm. Kind of a cliche word for a lot of people. Oh, trailblazer! But there really is something to that 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 piece where it's like I'm cutting a path that isn't laid out before me. Mm-hmm. And you have a really strong path in your family, and your father, laid out before you that you could take, and you're choosing to take your own. You know, and you can walk any path you want and learn. You can you can step on that path and learn and follow and share, but you can still build your own path alongside and beer off and whatnot. And that's what I, I love. The, I love the name that you've yeah, chosen. Thanks.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel right. And like, you know what you're getting too with all, like, I, that? Yeah. And I think it's also going to help with, cause all the projects are all these stories that I feel like need to be told too. It all kind of yeah. wraps up, but, but within yeah. that, I love that. I, 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 I want to talk about that. Um, what we were, what, that conversation we've had before about the, the power of, um, Right. The trailblazers, but the, the people that like, I feel so lucky to now have met you and be able to learn from you because you, you, we, I, I, it's the mentality that you had the machete, you're cutting through the jungle. You, sometimes you don't know where you're going, but you're, you have to do it. You're cutting through it. I then get to like, there's a roughly hewn path. There is some semblance of a path that I know is even an option for me because the people that were in the front with the machete, like I'm still exploring and I'm still like kind of carving my own way maybe paving a little bit more so that someone coming after me has a clearer path to this free creative expression work that we do. And it's a beautiful progression. And the second part of that, that I was just thinking as you were talking is that it's, it's almost, I I always just think that I I had no option, but to be trying to find my own way like this, because I just never felt like I fit in any other place. And so I needed to make my own And, and yeah. And I, it's, it's such a One, it's so beautiful to find community in that with other people that I think you were maybe talking about this on one of your other podcasts though, but how we all feel, I feel like creative people have always kind of felt a little other, right? And so, but that's a beautiful community in that and a power that it's, it is really a gift that there was no option to ever just have a cookie cutter life right? yeah. because we just yeah. couldn't, I would never have been able to, I don't, right. I don't, it, it's going to get dark for a second, maybe not, but like, I just, I would not have been happy. I would not have been able to be my full self if I had just gone down any, any, whatever it is, any preordained path. Um, And so it's, is that, that trailblazer energy of, because it's just there's no option not to.
0: It's the it's the mindset of the creative which yeah. is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. something that I learned, you know, through going into corporate design and working for big companies like The North Face and Columbia Sportswear and knowing so many other creatives in that realm, but I also had a whole life of doing some freelance work before I ever did that too. And it trying to to understand that creative person that we are, um, is that we, you know, we take risks, we're, we're, we're more comfortable with risk than a lot of people are. We look at what isn't there and how things can be better. What, what impact can I, there's all those, those pieces that we're, that we're looking to do, but even within ourselves, we don't, we don't fit into any kind of a cookie cutter scenario. We get bored easily. Um, but it's also this, this creative mindset of where does this path go? What's around that corner? Yeah, I've never been there. And, you know, I don't know if anybody else has, but I really want to go see yeah. what's and over there.
1: Because <laughs> of that, I really need to get over there. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Almost because of that. Like I yeah. want to, like, as we were thinking right of the, what it, it's so attractive. It's such a, it's a, it's almost like a badge of honor to be that kind of, it's almost like a renegade spirit too. Right. It's these, all these things of, There's a lot of identity in that that is really awesome, and that we have always like I've grown up idolizing those figures and things, and so to be be that, I don't. It's just felt like me, but I've never felt like I was living it.
0: Yeah, and and the people that you're looking to are not necessarily people that you're you're not looking to copy them. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying, you know, people ahead of you with the machete or whatnot. Really, what you're learning by watching the people ahead of you for one is that you can pick up yes. a machete, yes, and you might look to them to see how they're swinging it, mm-hmm. you know, and what they might. But but you're not what following shoes they're them.
1: wearing, like what gear they got, so the branches aren't whacking, right. them, you know, like <laughs> you know, and
0: and just that mere fact of seeing that, but yeah. you're not following them. You're picking up your own machete and carving your own path, and there's a camaraderie in that. And there's something that the older that I get as well, I love to really, I, I, I'm I'm really enjoying sharing that with the younger generation, which is why mm-hmm. I wanted to bring more people like you onto the podcast um, and, you know, all ages, but same time is that, that we, that I learn from you, you know, I get inspired by the next generations because you guys are having experiences that our generation didn't have and there are perspectives and things and energies that you have that help us. And I see that with my mother, same thing. I'll go through things and she gets inspired by me yeah. and there's that community, you know, that's an ageless community and uh, of sharing. We call it peer to peer because we're all peers of as creatives. Right.
1: Yep. So, yep.
0: you know, and so I think like what you're, what you're doing with, with the, with unpaid, unpaid path, which I have to get used to saying now,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: is um, you know, you're going to form it as it goes. You know, you have plans for it. What are mm-hmm. some of the things that you want to do? You know, oh, what do you want that to be?
1: Just keep doing it, I, I think, and growing it. As, as I think about what, it's obviously have more consistent projects and, and make make money. But I think it's just use that as a way. I, I think the main goal is just to to grow in my creative work so that I can work with people that I idolize and are doing the work I want to do already. I think it's just growing myself in that that world so that I can just keep doing the work. The goal is to just do the work. I I think I should probably have better goals about or not better, but more more fleshed out, say financial goals or things like that. But really the main thing is just to to do yeah it'll it'll come. That'll come. (laughs) I I just want to do it because for me it's about this was the only way that I saw truly to build the life that I wanted. And so I think the goal is to build that life. It's little things of how do I block out maybe one day a week, that's a pure creative day so that I'm not distracted by calls or things and trying to get that. I'm very much in the middle of that boundary setting now that I am in full control of my schedule of how to create that life. And so I think my goal with the studio is to make that the vessel for that life um, and organize it in a way that will be. It's a good, good way to get up every day. And, and this is do- where
0: you'll start learning how to say no to some things yeah. or not yeah. learning how, but deciding, you know, instead of like there's a time you say yes to everything and there's a time you start picking and choosing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a muscle. Again.
1: It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Maybe so, in a year I'll be good at it. We'll see. I think because yeah. I know I can do it. It's hard that as we were talking earlier, right Too that permission thing, like the agency of that is something I think, I have learned, and this is a huge step forward in with doing my own thing. Um, and that translates directly to those boundaries and to saying no to projects too and, and learning that because I've just been very much like a yes person, which has been great and it's gotten me where I am. But now I'm at the point where I can, I believe, start saying no to things um, and I got to learn how. So that'll be, uh, <laughs> <You it's, will. laughs> yeah, I will keep watching everybody else with the machetes in the front and be like, okay, that's how you stop for a second. Mm -hmm. And you've got some, you've
0: got some great, there's a lot of great people out there in front of you to, to pull from, and you have a great resource. What would you recommend for other people? Um, you know, young people coming up behind you, around you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, how to choose that direction, because I feel like, you know, I wrote this down in the notes too. And I was saying like, there's so many changes going on in our world. We're mm-hmm. at a massive inflection point point. Um, and the options and the new jobs, and the new creative roles and, and opportunities are, haven't even begun to reveal themselves, especially with yeah. AI and how everything's going to start shifting. Yeah, And it was already difficult for people to choose a direction. I mean, I grew up, you know, still with, with, with parents who, you know, our families encouraged us to pick a direction, go to school and then get a good job and stick it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that didn't actually pan out for my generation. No. For the people who did that, <laughs> um, it is broken down. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so, you know, having to choose a direction or what to do now or where to go and how often to shift. Um, what are some you know pieces of advice or you might give around people looking to figure out like what should I do? Yeah, it's life?
1: it's. I think the the kernel of it is learning to talk to your gut be able to know be able to have a conversation with yourself and know when cuz your your body will tell you and your mind will tell you mind maybe not so often but like your your heart or your soul or whatever we call it there's something in you that knows when something is right or not and so at the very base of it having the muscle and the skill to be able to listen is is just the first step because I think when you do that, then you you just you you follow what I think Glennon Doyle calls it, following what feels warm. Like mm. if something you can you can tell if you get that muscle going when you can get still enough and get quiet enough. So that's I mean intangibly that's something like meditation. Like whatever that right. is for you, martial arts for me it's yoga and meditation. Like
0: yeah.
1: whatever you need to do to train that is step one. And then two this book that I've come back to a million times called the crossroads of should and must. And I just have read that over and over again at every juncture of my life. And it's just this beautiful guide of back to the fact that you do know inside of you, whatever it is you want to do. But sometimes we need permission. We need outward things to show us what we could do. So we recognize it. Maybe we don't have the word for it. We don't have the name for it, but once we recognize it, we can go, Oh, that, and then pivot. So um, and within that, staying a complete student of learning about all of these things through this podcast work and having a million conversations, it's helped me know how to do things. Because again, with that, like you, when when you see something to recognize what the little part of yourself through books, through interviews, through all these things, then you know, you can go that way. So staying a student of everything, just yeah. insatiably curious will help you get there. Um, but in that, like, it, I, it's a weird... I don't like the phrase of like find a mentor because I think they kind of find you, but like take yeah. a stock and look around and see who in your life you could go to with some of these questions. Because yeah. for me, I absolutely needed to figure this out through dialogue. And a lot of the conversations I've had with with the Grammy students and and everybody that that I've been very lucky that have come to me for advice. It's all just in talking through conversation, helping people tease out what it is they really want to be doing, or at least what direction they want to be going in so that they can formulate that end zone and start down their path of, of whatever that might be. Um, so I think that's the best I can say, because I'm again, I'm still super in it, but, and, and, and Google, everything, the Google university is everything. Like, yeah, it's all there. We're so lucky. Like you were saying, right. Our generation has so many tools. We, I was able to, from Google, learn how to set up an LLC, all these things that are just yeah. at our fingertips. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to Google if you don't know how to do it. Just no okay. job is too small. Figure it out. Do the dang thing. But at the very bottom piece, learn how to talk to your gut and hear it. Learn how to hear it because you know and it will tell you.
0: Yeah, there's almost too much information. <laughs> like too we much. have that overload yeah. of how to find our ways through it. And I think the mentoring piece is really, um, A big one I found a mentor when I was in my early 30s but I basically you know through spiritual practice told the universe I need a mentor Mm -hmm. and somehow she found me correct but I found um that so many people I worked with never had mentors never Mm -hmm. you know never knew how to kind of build their own path and um they're in odd places you know like but but yeah finding them um is, is, it's not hard. I don't know. It's, it's definitely a spiritual path for the people that I've talked with, you know, and I know there's a lot of people who really want to be mentors. I've been approached by a lot of older people saying, how can I find my way to younger people? I really want to mentor. And so that ability to kind of connect people um, is, is a challenge there, but there are people want to do it. And I found some of the ways to do it are through these, the work, like this type of work, Mm -hmm. the podcast work, the production work, um, you know, and that leads me to think about like the, you know, I mentioned a little bit of like that, that Venn diagram of, you know, what your skills are, what your interests are and what people need or what the world needs is that, that sweet spot. And I feel like that's something that you're looking at doing with your business as well is, you know, there's these interests that you have, there's these skills you've already developed And there's these places that um, are opportunities and that that flexibility, you know, that building a business that you can create that flexibility to to figure out what that is. And that's part of the trailblazing Um, and also the psychology piece, kind of keeping your ears and your your energy open to kind of what's going on. What do people need? What do I need? How are we all doing? You know, and mm-hmm. where is this you know, going?
1: Yeah, get five steps down by yeah. what you think this will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, and with that, I want to I want to um, because you had mentioned that quote, I had to bring it up again and say, where did this quote come from? Yeah. Or, uh, what was that? Um, Because we talked about this the other day and uh, from from uh, Sonia Renee Taylor is mm-hmm. who you brought up the quote, the latter is only as real as your ascension of it and that was something that you brought up that I would like you to talk I'll just speak to a little bit more here cuz I love it but I can't fully describe it.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's the perfect way. I think that was another thing that also gave me permission to do a different way. And so I think it, and it was in a podcast she was talking she was on the um We Can Do Hard Things podcast talking about something totally different but this this soundbite, this quote that she said, um, and we, we built a whole session around it for at, uh, at NAMM this year for women of NAMM, but we just kind of let everybody in an exercise of, of thinking about this quote. Um, and it, it, so it, I heard this and it just made me stop in my tracks because the context of it was talking about what old systems are in place that are not serving people anymore. How do we get people to break out of them and build something better? When we keep in mind that say, if we're thinking of these metaphorically as a ladder that you're climbing, it will, it will cease to exist if you, if people stop buying into it. And so with me, it made me think what are, what are the parts of my life that I'm just intrinsically buying into without thinking about it. And and that was my career path completely. It was that I, the, the path that I was meant to be on, I, I was just on a, the wrong ladder. Not that the career path was an outdated system. It just wasn't serving me. And so I was just, I had to just climb something better and and the big light bulb moment I had with that too, was that my end zone was the same. It was intangibly about working in music, building up the cash enough, right? The reputation, the respect to work with people that I want to work with Yeah. and therefore just do this great work exist in these spaces like my dad and my, everybody I looked up to at NAMM did. But the way I was going about it in an operational trajectory at that time was not I don't think it was going to get me there because I, what I'm that Venn diagram of my skills and what I'm best at, that was not the ladder I was climbing. And so I think the the thing that was the most important thing about that was that I, my end zone hadn't changed, but it was, it was just a different path I needed to take to get there. And so if I just think if everybody were to be that introspective enough Or to be in if everybody could have that gift of being able to examine these little things, it not maybe not all the time, because that would be exhausting, but at important (laughs) junctures, like like we talk about people coming in, take stock of these things. And even if you're on a path that you love, what we were talking about in the session, how are you climbing it? Like, is there something, do you need more self-confidence? Do you need a better network? Do you need to find a mentor to help you climb it with more strength and confidence and skill? There's so many ways we can think of this metaphor um, as a way to, to just be. Walking our most authentic path and following our most authentic path because I think that is how we make the world a better place. Like it, I think the world breaks when people aren't being themselves and aren't fully yeah. expressing their truth in themselves yes. for whatever way. And so if everybody if we can if we can just little bit at a time help people be able to do that and give people the tools, right to be able to then show people the different paths, I think that is just the most powerful gift we can do through creative work um to make. Tell people just leave better lives down the line as everybody keeps keeps going.
0: Oh, that's beautiful.
1: It's inspiring because I see myself
0: on the on the ladder there as well, like at the top of it going, I <laughs> I I gotta I'm, I'm oh building. God. <laughs> I have to build it. I'm building it
1: yes. as I go. Oh.
0: And I don't know where it's going. And um that, I think it's the most real I've ever felt in my life mm. of like, this is where I'm supposed to be
1: oh, at the top of so this ladder beautiful. that I don't,
0: I have to build myself and I don't know where it leads to. And it's super scary, you know? I, and so same thing, as starting your own business, it's terrifying, but it's also the most alive you can ever feel. Totally. You know, totally. so it, it, it's so worth it. And, um, yeah, and this just it, it makes me think about that, the nonlinear path, mm-hmm. because you know, we're talking about ladders and ascension right now, and that feels kind of very much that visual line. Um, but the idea of creating it yourself is is the nonlinear idea. And I had, and you know I had written a story or, you know, a, a piece, I had several pieces I wanted to write about the nonlinear path. I always do because mine isn't linear. And we have, we've had speakers at structure before who've come in and talked about the actual career path looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really helpful. And, and I know that that story really resonated with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you know, why, why did that? Because it, you really reached out and you're like, Oh. I love, like, like, yeah, that's... I responded to
1: that. I was like, Michelle, you yeah. did this so bad. Like, this is so <laughs> powerful. I think it's because, right, it's you, you, it's, it, it's that that is okay. I think it's yeah. still, it's still for how lucky I was to be so supported and doing whatever I wanted to do. I think there still is a lot of, I don't know, it's not as common. It's not very common yet. And so every little bit you see something that, that is also saying that you are, your right to be on this path mm-hmm. is really comforting because I think as we talk about always feeling a little bit other in the power of that community and that I think it's that you're not, you're not broken for needing to be this way. You are exactly right. And you have so many skills that are a huge gift. You just need to see them as that. And so I think there's so much power in that for me because it, it, it was empowering, that this, is, this could be a strength rather than something I'm having to live with to try to make yes. it through the world in this certain way, yes. right? It's that, look at all these people that are doing everything that I'm so in yes. awe of. It's because they walked the nonlinear path and that is something I could do as well. I think it's, yeah, you recognize a little bit of that truth every time you hear that. And I think spreading that message more is such a gift, even if it's not someone's path, even if that's not the way they need to do it. Just making that more of a norm. Like I don't. I I was telling my my mom the other day too. I'm so lucky. I feel so lucky that I did this, and no one has been anything but absolutely supportive. Even even her <laughs> aunt, who is I late eighties, maybe my her our aunt Alice. She was like, oh, finally! I'm so excited for you. Even like the the people that I would think might be like, oh, are you sure? But also, she's always been a little renegade. She's the best. So, but anyway, I've never. I have not. Knock on wood had one person not be just excited for me to be doing this. And so I, and I did not expect that I expected to have a little bit more of like people that would make me probably doubt myself. And, um, so just making this more of a normal path is a really big gift and, and pieces like that are that. So I feel like you gave me a portion of that gift by creating that and having these conversations. Uh, so thank you for that.
0: You, well, oh, thank you, thank you for <laughs> because it's it it, it's, it it goes both ways, absolutely. And I, you know, I would say then, what would you do if somebody now challenged what you're doing?
1: Right, <laughs> you know? I just I, I'm I'm off the deep end, so I I think it would have hurt more if I hadn't done it yet, because then I might freak out a little bit. But yes. I am hopefully at a I think I am a lot more of at a strong place. That yeah, I, and I think to. Once it again, once it felt like the only option, I can get real stubborn when I'm at least sure that something has been well thought out and is like, I've gone A to Z, I got it. I am impenetrable at that point. I am very, I'm super flexible. I'm open to dialogue. I'm great. But like when I get to the kernel of something and I'm sure it is true nothing will move me. And so I might feel a little gross about it for a second, but I think, I think I would just be like, well, tell me more. Let's, I, 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 I go between, and again, it would depend on who it is too. Like how devastating it might be, how close someone was to be right to be, to be doing that. But if they, if they weren't close at all, it's, it's, there is a huge amount of fun in just kind of like keeping your head up being like, no, I, I, I no, like, I'm sorry, you feel that way. You're like, Oh, thanks for, thanks for your concern. But no, that's not for me. Like I I've always really, I've always in my life gone between that kind of like eh, I, the fear, right. Of not being accepted or not or being seen as different or, 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 you know, broken in some way versus the really cool, I think, angry defiance that has come from that fear, which is that defense mechanism and, and that, but, I love that feeling when you, I, it feels so powerful when you can be in that space of just empowerment of like, I am who I am. And this is what I have chosen to do. And it's just the coolest feeling that is. Absolutely. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a huge practice, but getting there, I hope that I could be more there than I am not. And it, what a gift that I haven't needed to that
0: (laughs) so yeah and it's a tool i mean once you've already decided that you're going to do this people will challenge you a lot less i have found in my own um and everyone is different in my own path in doing this um i really haven't had anybody else be a naysayer other than the the heavy voice in my own head, yeah, you know, yep. which which projects to other people and says, yep. "Oh, their response to this means this, yes. or their non-response to this means Such this." Such a good point. Such and a good point. so I have found that I have to have this kind of conversation with myself often, up and down, of of of, of that self-talk. And it becomes a, a muscle, just like you said, you have to exercise it. And when you hear it, it doesn't matter if it comes from another person or if it comes from inside my head, yeah. the response is the same. And sometimes it breaks me down for a little while until I go, too bad. I don't care, I don't care if you don't like it. <laughs> this yes. is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing, like it or not. I don't really, and, and, and that becomes uh, stronger and stronger. And so I actually welcome every opportunity to now to, to fight it. It's, it, it it can be rough, but, um, I, I just, I have this feeling that, you know, that's, it's going to be there, you know, and then when you break through, you know, you'll have that. And even the more successful you get, I've seen this with, with other people in their projects, the more successful they get, the more they can get people kind of, or things kind of coming in at them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to have that, that, that chance to exercise that muscle is really strong. Um, I want to, you know, kind of move into the last piece here, move things around a little bit and talk about music then, because I think this is kind of a good way into that. Cause to me, this is music has done this for me as well of like really making you, um, you know, face yourself and your fears, right? And be able to speak up, put yourself out there. It's such a metaphor for a lot of this. Totally. Um, what what is that kind of what is music um yeah, what does it mean to you that yeah, it's
1: almost like what it's taught me to through that. Yeah, like what yeah. I think all of that. I think what came to mind immediately as you were saying that is is a little bit tied to that gut feeling of um you'll when something isn't true or isn't how it's supposed to sound you you can tell and when you uh, maybe it's a little bit that i i um I just feel lucky that i I have a very clear vision of what I want so say when i'm when I'm working on a creative project, if something doesn't feel right, I have to I, I can't just unless unless I know say if I'm producing it, unless the person is like, no, this is a decision. I want it to be this way. I'm like, perfect, great. If this is intentional, like, heck yeah, love it, live your life. Great. But if but with my own stuff, I was meticulous on um on on what I wanted things to sound like. And I think that's something that I I took into producing work and being able to then speak up even when it was somebody else's work, because I you you just know if, if something i think it's just an instinct that i am grateful that i have if something sounds right or if it doesn't sound quite right um being able to challenge that and 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 it's put in a nice way like why well, why did you why'd you pick that or like do you, how do you feel about how this sounds here i'm wondering if maybe this like there's ways around it but i think music has helped me get stronger with my my creative voice as The point of why someone would even bring me onto something, which is that point, like that instinct, people want to hear that. That's why you have me on a project. But doing my own music has helped me to do that. Um, and then I think, I think it's, it's just such a tool for when you have these feelings of, of that being able to center yourself again. Um, and also making sense of it all, telling the story of this feeling, getting it out of you and making like, I, I have just in trying to figure out what career I'm going down, filled with a lot of existential dread over the last few years of like mortality. And Oh God, if I'm choosing what path I'm going to walk now, that's
0: 30 for you. (laughs) Oh God.
1: Yeah. It's it's like, it's like spirituality wise, man, Saturn return is real. It kicked my butt and I'm so grateful. Um, because all of that, I, I just, I was terrified of what, what, as I'm trying to choose a path next, what is my next step? What could possibly be uh, something that I'd be at the end looking back and be like, that was a great life. Like it, the weight of that was just crushing me. And so I, um, I wrote a song about it. Finally. It just, it just, but it was music helped me make sense of it. And, and, and now I have this tool because I wrote this song that um, and I haven't released yet, but it's on my cloud. If anybody has also this existential dread, it's called Kit Song after Sweet cold, Kit Cole Pepper who who died. And her when she was dying, it just like came through me, and I think it was her also giving me that. Like I'm I'm pretty spiritual, and I a lot of my songs when they're that when they're that pure and that true, just kind of come out of me. I'm not a great craft songwriter yet; it just comes through, and so I think that is exactly that. And now I can go back to that song as a tool whenever I'm feeling that and kind of sing it to myself or um, yeah. it's something I've created that I needed. And I, and I was playing it out at a, uh, uh uh what was, how would I call it? Like a cafe once a little gig I had in the morning. And this woman came up to me like crying after, and said that her husband was in the hospital and he was not doing well. And she just needed to hear that today. And I just like, is that recording? And I was like, no, but I went home and recorded it and emailed it to her. And, and oh. just the, the, the gifts that, that, that also, the, that, that truth also helped someone else is what that means to me too, that yeah. these are, these are universal things and, and the power to be able to make these universal things that can help other people along their journey, because I seem to have an open conduit to whatever that emotion is, uh, is just, something I want to do forever it's the most magical feeling though yeah the tools of that are are the most wonderful thing I think about what music is for me to to make it's making something internal about being human real and being able to make sense of it in that way
0: you called it a shortcut to emotion yeah yeah it's beautiful
1: yeah, well, and in psych, right? That was one of the things I learned in music. Um, I think it was I had a music psychology class. It was amazing, and it was the best class I took too in that major because so I was like, "This is so applicable to my life. Finally, a class that is for me." And um, uh, learning that when we hear music, it goes similarly to smell. It goes straight. It doesn't go first to our frontal cortex. We 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 feel music before we process what we are hearing or feeling just in our brains. Mm. And it is, that's why it's so powerful with music therapy too. say like Alzheimer's patients, you don't, people living with Alzheimer's, you, you don't need the damage to their brain is shortcutted through music. And so something like that, it is, it is just such a pure feeling purely because of how it interacts with our physicality and our physiology. And I, it's so beautiful and it makes perfect sense. So it's a powerful tool in that way.
0: The first studio we rented during COVID um, over at uh, at the Oakland Music Complex, just mm. to have a space to, you know, be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it hadn't been painted in years, and so we were going to paint it. But somebody had just written in a marker on the wall, music is magic. Oh. And um, before I painted over it, I took a photo of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's um, but, beautiful. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm in the right spot. Yeah. This is the right place to be. Those little symbols. Yeah. yeah. Music is just, it's magic. And I mm. feel like um, it may be having finally a, some resurgence in the business. You know, um, it, the business has been rough. I mean, since you've been growing up too, you've seen a lot, especially being on the business side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about the music business? Ugh,
1: in the past,
0: it's, present, future—you know—it's—it's.
1: It's, I think the, the biggest thought is that it is wild that it is a business. Creativity as a business, I think, just, it should just be. So, in a perfect world, we would value art for the way that it helps us literally exist and be human beings.
0: Yeah,
1: and capitalism commodifying it. Means that it is, and in the way that we currently are in the present, absolutely devalued, and that's just the biggest heartbreak ever. Because people like me that, and and like you with your visual art and the design aspect of it, Tracy with photography, all these people that are, and even like I, I had uh, people that we know that that are that work with their hands, like different different trades, like these very human human things. I feel like at least that I'm veering off music for a second, but certain things are still very tangibly valued, but things like music and I I think parts of visual art there, but music specifically right now, I think because of streaming, right. I think, I think even buying a CD was probably not what music was worth back then, but it was more than a fraction of a cent. And so that in and of itself is weird, but we're just in the society where that's how it is. But I think, so the way forward, I think past created that, right. It was never fully valued, And there was so much exploitation of different, you know, cultural stuff that was creating the music that sold and, and all of that. It's, I think it is only growing in a good direction, but I think at the present moment, it is a broken loop because tech, which is streaming, all the money flows, begins in the music industry, flows out of it to large tech companies. And none of that is a very small percentage of that is coming back into the the actual music business side. And and that absolutely has to change because it's just a broken loop. It's it's not sustainable. And so one of the ways forward that I am really excited about in the future is is I, I think the biggest way forward is to to revalue it is to create less of a divide between the creators and the people that are consuming the art and some things like things like Patreon, crowdfunding is one thing, but I think. Like when we think of times in history, I, I love like Patreon's title. You think of patronage back in in the right. Renaissance period and right. stuff. You could just you could just live as an artist, which is literally the point. If you are that creative artist person, I was joking about the artist, right? That that can't do their own finances before, but that would be awesome. So I think happy medium of that are things like patreon and different things where when we and bandcamp is great for this and yes and there are new ticketing softwares and i wish i could shout it out and remember what the name was but there's one that's coming out of chile right now that is um has overtaken ticketmaster in south america uh-huh. um and it is there's it's it's great for a lot of reasons but one of the biggest ones is that the artist keeps the information of the people that buy their tickets. Yes. So something like using, although right, I have a lot of people that I love a lot of people that work at Live Nation Ticketmaster, doing your thing. A lot wrong with it. Lot good about it. Um the uh, uh something as little though as having artists retain access to their fans, if the fan is getting you can't devalue something if you see someone's work and making it. It just is not, it's really yeah. hard to disrespect someone like that when you see them and you 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 know that this song is tied to them. They did, yes. they spent this much money to do it. You, it, it it's one thing that is yeah. great that streaming services are offering, right? When you get in, you can say, support the artist here, click this link immediately. Little things like that, I think, are the way forward in closing that divide and revaluing it because- yeah. Say like someone that's like a weaver, you know, you know, they made this beautiful piece of art for you. You're happy to pay a premium for it because you know what they put in. And that's tied to the AI conversation. When things are not human anymore, we will hopefully be happy to pay a premium for something that is human made, which is the only hope for us creators. (laughs) So lean into that aspect. So yeah. that's right. I mean, say more about that. I feel like that, yeah, that inspired your idea, you in
0: way. Your idea, well, you had mentioned that, that idea of that little plug of human made. Yeah. Because we are moving into uh, a phase of wanting to know more about where everything comes from. Yes. You know, yes. one, because of yes. the planet's totally sustainability in the design world, for sure. Yes. And that is happening more and more. And so we're working through the greenwashing, you know, problems mm-hmm. and whatnot and getting to the actual real and, and telling story yes. and, and getting more connected locally and to the people that make things and so that has to get into the arts as well music has to be that way i mean even with my uh, writing on substack same thing we keep rights to a work you know and 90 percent of you know any money that comes through comes to the writers that that have their 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 work there so more and more platforms everywhere that do that and get supported are really important plus you 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 get access to real work and real yes. people and we're in a place now that, that that we've grown to such a huge population that we really want that human connection, you know, since COVID. So I loved it when you said that, 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 that becomes that this was human made. It's yeah. a little bit like saying like homemade food or organic yeah. or, you know, the, these exactly. like, and here is the the farmer and here are the, the sheep that your, your sweater was actually made from. You can, you know, um, people think of it as a novelty, but really it's, it's as long as we can keep that an honest connection. And so I think that's what people get a little bit afraid of with the AI, but from what a lot of people say too, I think it's actually going to really help and shift things. That conversation still, you know, is just, it's, I its mean, it's still a
1: conversation and it's a terrible, but, and, and, and I mean, another shout out to the recording Academy, I think it's human campaign. I might be making this wrong, but there's a coalition of music companies that are coming together to help advocate for, um, the, the, the legislation around it to make sure artists are not left out of the conversation and creatives. And, um, and so there are so many, I think good things that come out of it. I think it was um, uh, uh, an engineer, uh, BT Gibbs, who was just the best he's in South Bay, but he was saying, imagine if an AI could do your credits for you and make sure everything is all put together. There's so many tools yes. that could make artists be able to spend more time on art. And so it's just closing that divide. and I, I love the idea of the fashion industry and design industry as a model for how because that is we are so I, I'm confidently able to wh- when I want to either buy secondhand or or find organic clothing and stuff, I there's places I can look. And yes. yeah. I think that is it's I it, I love that that with structure you bring all these creative worlds together because I think music has so much to learn from that because I think that's the direction we need to go in that that community based way of funding and, and valuing. Yeah.
0: And going both ways. Um, you know, so that's why I like to mash things up. You yes. know, in that sense, because you know, learning from other industries, the design industry learns from other industries. Musicians and artists have a lot of the same challenges. You know, and musicians are artists; they're part of that whole that piece. But yes. I do agree with you on what you said about music. It's so important in our psychology as human beings. It's one of the, the earliest art form. I mean, every it's just it. It's so. It, it can't it can't suffer. It needs to flourish. It's part of visual arts and music. All of the arts need to flourish for a society and a, you know, communities and societies to flourish. And so we have to keep them going and keep them fresh and keep them alive. And when we see them falling down and struggling, we've got to pick them back up. Exactly. So that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're trying to do in our, in our, in our pathways that we're trying to carve here. Exactly.
1: Well, and a small real quick a small aside with that is uh, with the music industry now for when to think about as well the the weird f- phenomenon of because there are some incredible music supervisors these days. I like, guess you talked about Kate Bush earlier. Some of the like the biggest money right now that is in music is flowing to catalogs that are wow. that are not being released now. And so with with music being so democratized, right? I mean, it was very easy for me to put on an album and have what, I don't know how many people ever listen to it, but um, it's it's so democratized that anybody can do it. And I think that almost is overwhelming. And so I think another huge opportunity is we've been really relying on the algorithms through streaming services to find our new music for us. But there's like a lot of great indie tastemakers out there and blogs and I mean, playlist curators on the indie side. Like if, if people, I think it's, it would be fun to kind of make more of a cultural pride point um, on a larger scale. It's hard because people just don't want to put the time in, but I I just have to know that there are a lot of people out there that love to feel that they've discovered something new and different. Yes. And so yeah. more of that discovery mm-hmm. being something you feel proud of rather than just that you were fed. Yeah. Um, Hence, like right, a human made playlist, a human yes. made indie discovery music blog. Right. Um, stuff like that is another way that I'm excited to have things grow and, and that I think we could invest in um, as a way to to make the music industry more of a healthy, holistic place for everybody working in it.
0: Love that. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. (laughs) What would be your last advice then to musicians and creators of all, you know, anybody? I mean, it doesn't have to be just like here, musicians, this and that heavy thing, but for where you're at with just creators, people who want to create art and and put their self-expression out into the world.
1: Yeah, just do it, do it, do it, do it. And and don't, I, I think good is good enough. Uh, one thing that held me back for a long time was wanting to make something sound exactly like it. I, I, I've been lucky that I've worked alongside professional musicians my whole life. I know how something is supposed to sound. I can't afford it to sound like it's supposed to sound yet. And so, the one of the biggest gifts my producer from us album gave me was like, "Steph, you're recording this in your bedroom. It's going to sound like that, and that's awesome. That's its. That's its." Yeah that's its plus. So many people love that. And yeah. that's, um, don't make it sound like anything other than that, what it is. So if, if that's holding you back from making your art, don't let it and just lean into what it is, like the story of it, tell it. Um, and just think, yeah, my, I, the advice, just do it, do it and, and, and listen to yourself be, and, and don't, don't think that you, for any reason, you don't deserve to do it because we all have, there's no one else that is has lived what you've lived or has a story you, you have, or that's something I've, I've wrestled with a lot of, do I, uh, you know, as, as layers of, of identity and, and privilege and all these things, should I, do I even deserve to be telling my stories or, or things when there's yes. so many other populations and people and, and communities that, um, that deserve, that have not had an opportunity to tell theirs, even as a woman in music, I'm like, I'm fine. I've, I, <laughs> It's hard to be a woman in music, but there's so many other ways you have to struggle in the world that I have not experienced. And so regardless of that, if you're telling something that's true and that is yours to tell, and you know that it is yours to tell and that it feels important, you have to do it. It doesn't matter if someone else has gone through something worse than you. And it doesn't even need to be negative. It can be something beautiful and powerful and joyful. and lean into that. We all have something beautiful to contribute. And the thought that you have something to contribute is the point. I'll not who she put it by then. I just read read big big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. and mm. that is everything I'm trying to say. So that's that crossroads <laughs> of shit and must and big magic. um and and you'll you'll be right. You'll be good. <laughs> that's my best advice. That It's always books. It's always podcasts and books
0: it's but. awesome and you know to add, just cap that off when you talked about um digging into your roots mm-hmm. so, you know when people went to find our voices to dig into our past to dig into our roots you know you went and studied in in Ireland in Galway and studied you know what dance music literature mm-hmm. like things about your your history and as you said earlier you found that um, sometimes singing some of those, those, those songs in those traditional ways was more suited to your voice or so. Yeah. Yep. And how would you have known that if you didn't dig back into that, to kind of look into your roots, into your past, into who you are and maybe figure out, this is something that works for me that resonates, it connects and to find that, that voice.
1: Yep. Yep. It's, it's so powerful. and, and even in, it's part of the storytelling of making sense of yourself in the world. There's, yeah, and there's plenty of other stories that I haven't felt as called to in, in my family history and my family yet. Um, and some that I've been very, very fascinated by. And and you, it, it's it's a little bit of why am I the way I am? Oh, it's because of this. Why is my dad the mm-hmm. way he is? Oh, because of, you know, generations of immigration and, and all these things. And right. I, you just make, and there's really beautiful stories. What was it? Uh, was it you? I, I talked to so many great people lately, Br- Brutiful, something being brutal and beautiful. No, it was another podcast I was listening to. Oh, that's great. But it's yeah. the feeling that I I just, I love it because there's a lot of things that are absolutely heartbreaking, yeah. but really, really beautiful. And that the, just the fact that they're true. And, absolutely. um, so those are the things that really have pulled me from, from the, my heritages and, and a lot of Irish music is just so sad and so I beautiful and the fact that yeah. it is just tragic and yeah and I connect so much to that and a lot of that was finding my own I, I it was hard for me to find what my music should sound like until I really you know cobbled together heard enough people that sounded like enough little kernels of my creative voice to to feel that and, and something as little as it's not little but um I'm really trying hard to not say little as much it's I'm minimizing things when I do that. Um, But at the Grammys this year, seeing Brandi Carlile performing someone that I, I feel it's so it's, it's a small, it is a little thing. It's a small thing of representation where I was like, Oh, like I, I feel like growing up, I was so lucky. I got to, I got to go to the Grammys growing up. It was amazing, but I feel like I never actually saw someone that really did that. I saw myself in until I saw her performing there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was the feeling of that. It is that is what I am. That is what I, I want to be. At the there's enough kernels of that that feel true enough to me that it is worth trying to walk this path because that is possible, and that is something that is the most beautiful, cool, badass thing ever. And so, um, delving into the histories has helped me find that voice. And then looking around at people that uh, that are really good at telling their own stories and are expressing themselves just deeply in who they are, um, it's been such a gift. It's I I just haven't – I'm fascinated by it, and I haven't not been able to do it. Or I found a lot of strength in doing that, maybe is a better way to put it. I, I find I, – I just get really interested in it and nerd it out. But there's the little nuances, right, of it. I don't think I'd feel comfortable – because I did not grow up speaking it. Not that I grew up speaking Gaelic, but regardless, I don't present as Asian in any way. So I don't think I would be comfortable, even though I am of Chinese heritage, doing the same thing with Chinese music, because I just there's bits of it that I'm I'm hyper conscious of how I present and what what feels again. As I said like what feels like my story to tell the history. I can tell that all day. Like that is my history. I love it. It's fascinating anything about lived experience is something that I don't get to tell. And I get to uplift others who do it because I'm inspired by that. Whereas the Irish stuff, I am freckled faced. Like most of me genuinely as Irish, I'm so close to that, that side and that, that history like that, that is, I, I feel strongly that that is my space. And so it's just, again, talking to your gut, what is your story to tell? What is the stuff that is, is that you are made to, to to express um and in that way that self that imposter syndrome kind of like shuts up a little bit when you know what's true inside of you what story is yours to tell what what stories are yours to pass along and to perpetuate um and that's helped me have strength in that by going back to these cultures and being in my family stories and and all of these things and it's yeah helped me ground into my identity for what my artistic voice would be through all of this research
0: that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of this.
1: Thank you. Thank you you for for talking talking to me about all of this. This has (laughs) been so lovely. You have
0: been listening to Unstructured, the podcast from Structure Society. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, share, like, subscribe, and add your thoughts and suggestions in the comments. Also, please consider a Substack paid subscription to help us bring even more meaningful content and connection points to you and our creator community. Here you'll find articles and news, as well as the podcast and additional content. We cannot grow without you. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.